Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. And welcome to the Pet Pod. This is the podcast that's all about pets. I'm Zara Boland. I'm a vet, a consultant, and an all-round animal lover. And each episode, I'm going to be joined by one or two of my veterinary friends and colleagues from across the pet healthcare industry, so that we can offer you handy tips and some expert advice to help keep your beloved family pet healthy and, above all, happy. Today's podcast is sponsored by YouMove, the UK's number one vet joint supplement brand for dogs. It's clinically proven to work in just six weeks and it's recommended for older dogs who are starting to slow down and show some signs of stiffness, which is particularly pertinent to today's episode. Now, for those of you who've been listening for the last few episodes, you'll know that my own beautiful Bernie's Mountain Dog, Rumba, who's getting on a little bit in years, has been taking YouMove supplements for about eight weeks now. And you'll get an update on exactly how they're working for her a little bit later in this episode. Now, the team at YouMove are on a mission to make sure that every dog, cat and horse lives their most active life for life. And that's why they're very generously offering a 40% discount code to anyone who listens to the Pet Pod. So make sure that you visit youmove.co.uk and enter the code PETPOD40 when you get to the checkout. Today's episode is all about arthritis, what it is, how to spot it, and ways that we can help our dogs and cats to manage the condition so that they can remain active for as long as possible. And I'm really delighted to be welcoming Dr. Pete Wedderburn back to the pet bod as today's guest. As well as running his veterinary practice in Ireland, Pete also shares his expert advice through regular newspaper columns and on radio as well as TV. He's known by most people simply as Pete the Vet. Pete. Welcome back to the Pet Pod, and how have you been keeping? Very well, thanks, Sarah. So the weather has started to cool down, and it's a good time for us to talk about arthritis, as it's a condition that affects us people as we age, but unfortunately, it also is a really prevalent condition for our senior dogs and cats. And it can cause, just like in us, stiff and painful joints and some difficulty moving around. So in practice, Pete, how frequently are you seeing pets which are displaying signs of arthritis? And maybe you can talk us through some of the science that's taking place in their bodies. It is actually one of the most common problems that we see, I think. And I would say it's rare to see an animal, dog or cat, over the age of 12 that doesn't have some degree of arthritis going on. I think the technical terminology is important here. Everybody knows about arthritis, but what arthritis means is inflammation of the joints. In actual fact, the technical process is inflammation of the joints and the bones. What inflammation means is 
and there's five signs of inflammation as you know which are redness heat pain lack of function and swelling so all of those things affect not just the joints themselves but also the bone immediately beside the joints and so i think everybody knows that um, bone pain is painful if you get kicked in the shin it's painful um, and and so the pain in arthritis really can be quite immense osteoarthritis is the correct term and um, we often also talk about degenerative joint disease and that's a really good way of describing it as well because nearly always in, in older pets what you're actually talking about is just the wear and tear of the joints so it's essentially the, the joints degenerating with age and so um, that's why so often osteoarthritis degenerative joint disease they're all just synonyms for the same problem and as i just said it's really common um, pet owners often don't recognize it and that's really why it's so important that we have this podcast to help people realize that their pets might be suffering from this so then let's talk about some of those symptoms and clinical signs that we can learn to recognize to actually uh, understand that our pets might be suffering from this very common but actually quite painful condition mm, well the reason for the clinical signs that the animals show is that they have pain in their joints and now it could be any joint it could be you know anywhere from from the digit finger or, or toe to the to the wrist to the elbow or knee to the shoulder or hip or it could even be arthritis of, of the, the joints along the back. So there's lots of different places where the joint could be inflamed. Um, and the, the signs that they show relates to the fact that they're feeling pain and stiffness in that particular joint or in those multiple joints. So the signs that people generally see would include stiffness, a specific lameness, an animal limping. Um, they could just seem to be more tired than usual. They could be slowing down on walks, like starting off okay, but then slowing down. Often they don't want to climb stairs, um, or a cat might not want to jump up onto the sofa like it would normally do, or onto the cat tree. And commonly in cats as well, they, they stop grooming themselves in the same way. This is one of the reasons why in elderly cats, they often start to get a little bit unkempt, because they're not grooming themselves as they would normally do. The pain of arthritis is one reason. Another common reason actually is if they have dental disease, um, the pain of dental disease can also stop them from grooming. These are all signs that an animal is feeling, first of all, specific pain in joints, but also sometimes if they've got pain in multiple joints, then they just feel painful all over. If they were human, they'd be complaining to us. Animals can't do that. And so I think the really important thing is that owners should be realising that um, if their animals aren't behaving normally, it could be because they're in pain. And that's why action needs to be taken. And, that, and it's, it's a good point. And I think the other thing to kind of be aware of is that the reason why these symptoms are happening is because they haven't got that same range of motion in the joints. So the cat can't reach around to groom where they would normally groom. The dog can't move its elbow like it used to, to get up the stairs. So it's just, you know, it's that lack of range of motion. And I think what's also really important is, you know, as pets are aging, to remember to, it's so important to go to the vet because at least once a year, if not twice a year, as your pet's 
get older. Because when you live with an animal, you're not necessarily going to see the gradual change. But as vets, we obviously perform physical exams at each visit. And, and this is when we can pick up and identify the arthritis-related changes, such as that more limited range of motion. And in fact, this this trade of physically examining animals at every opportunity, it, well, it can also be to our detriment socially, can't it, Pete? <laughs> yeah, that's it. As, as a vet, it's, it's, it's a bit unfortunate, but I, I kind of go by default into my clinical examination mode, whereas most people just pat a dog on the head and say hello and give them a little stroke. I'll, I'll pat them on the head, then I'll lift their lip and look at their teeth, and then I'll... <laughs> yeah, um, I go for the ears. <laughs> I'll look through sniff. the coat. Check them out for fleas, and then if I'm getting really friendly with them, I'll start to examine their legs, see if they've got any sign of lameness. And I, I don't mean to do it. It's what we do naturally as vets. But yes, it is. It it is the physical examination is the key thing here, and that's something that's quite difficult for owners to do. And a physical examination, checking for arthritis, it basically involves examining each joint in detail from the toes up to the shoulder, and you you do that by extending the joint and flexing the joint by taking it to its fullest range of motion and you're feeling for stiffness and also importantly you're feeling for pain and um, at an extreme and if you move a joint and it's painful a dog will yelp or, or a cat will turn around and hiss at you but at a much less extreme level what they might do is they might have subtle signs of discomfort such as just gently pulling away from you or they might a dog might lick their lips a little bit just showing that they're a bit anxious so um, vets are, are well trained in spotting the, if you like, the minor or early or or, or um, simple signs of pain in an animal. Uh, and our, our job is to work out if it is the joint that's painful. And, and the physical examination is the starting point. But if a vet suspects arthritis, we will sometimes, if it's a, an appropriate case, say your pet has arthritis because it's so obvious. Like if you've got a 13-year-old Labrador and their hips feel stiff and painful. They sound a bit crunchy. That is going to be arthritis, certainly. Whereas, you know, other times you might have to go ahead and do things like x-rays or even CT scans to be absolutely sure that that's the case. There are some other rare diseases that could cause um, the signs of a painful joint. So, But your vet would guide you through that anyway. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's, it's really important, um, particularly as our pets are aging, because our, our whole aim as vets, Pete, is, you know, as you well know, is to, is, it's preventative more and more these days. We want to prevent and slow down the onset, particularly of preventable diseases and, you know, old age related diseases. All right. So we discussed earlier, we talked about degenerative joint disease and old age disease, but, but that's not always the case either, is it? Sometimes arthritis can actually happen in young pets because of injury or even genetics. Yes, it can. Yeah. If a joint is forcibly twisted, then it will become inflamed and that's arthritis. So examples would include physical trauma, like if an animal is hit by a car even, a joint can be damaged and they can have arthritis going on after that. Or commonly, there's a disease called cruciate ligament rupture, which is very common. And that's a, a, when the knee ligaments are damaged. And the, the damage to the knee ligaments then makes the joint unstable. And a joint that's unstable is going to become inflamed because of the abnormal forces on the joint. And that then will lead to arthritis afterwards. As well as that, a really important aspect here is that some particular individual animals, especially some breeds, um, they're basically... Dog breeds have been designed for appearance rather than function. And what that means is that some of them have coincidentally uh, inherited hips and elbows and shoulders and knees that are prone to developing premature arthritis. 
the one that's probably most common, most commonly known about as well, is arthritis of the hips, hip dysplasia. That's got a strong genetic influence and it can develop in dogs as young as, as a year or two years of age with, where the hips are actually abnormally shaped. They're just born with hips that are abnormally shaped. And in those cases, it's a bit different because the arthritis then develops when they're very young and uh, can be very, very severe. And they have to have sometimes extreme treatments such as total hip replacements, which are very, very effective. Um, but you can imagine very complicated as well. Yeah, and it's a good point you raise, Pete, because I think, you know, for anyone who's thinking of getting particularly a purebred dog or a pedigree dog, there are also schemes in place, um, accredited schemes that will help to screen out um, breeding from animals that might have bad hips to start with so that you don't then genetically pass that on to your offspring. That's right. And so, so one of the things I'd say to anybody considering getting a pedigree dog is do a very simple thing, which is Google the name of the breed and health issues, and you'll then discover the things that that particular puppy is likely to be prone to. And you can also discover if the breeder has undergone the recommended health tests for the mother and father of the puppy. Uh, so if, if your puppy, if their parents have been hip scored, that's the term that's used, and if they've both got very, very healthy hips, then it's far, far less likely that your pup will go on to develop arthritis of the hips. That's so right, that hips and elbows. Yep. So once we've got a diagnosis of arthritis or osteoarthritis or degenerative joint disease, let's talk about some of the, I mean, there's, there's quite often you'd say treatment options, but really when it comes to arthritis, it's management, isn't it? And there's lots of different ways to, to go about managing this condition to help uh, make them more comfortable and alleviate some of the pain that, that's associated with it. Yes, when we start to talk about uh, management of, of a health problem, I, I, I imagine owners out there immediately thinking, oh gosh, they're going to say I'm going to have to spend all this money on, 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 on treating my pet. And the first thing I'd say to you is that the, the most effective way of treating arthritis won't cost you anything. In fact, it will actually save you money to use this treatment. It'll, you'll actually <laughs> Tell us spend more, less quick. money on your pet. <laughs> and that's because what makes the biggest difference to arthritic animals is um, losing weight, getting them to their ideal body weight. Um, something like two thirds of pets are overweight or obese. And um, perhaps the, the, the part of the body that that affects the most is the joints. Um, I mean, I, 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 I know when I, I, I do quite a lot of running and one of the, one of the things that we, 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 an exercise that we do as runners from now and again, when uh, maybe we're in the middle of the, the, the winter season and we've not been running so much and we've been eating more over Christmas or whatever, we put on a bit of weight. And what, what our, our coaches do is they give us a couple of bags of sugar to carry around. And they say, now, oh, you feel how more difficult that is moving around the place? That's what it's like when you're carrying extra weight and you're running. So you need to get yourself to a nice lean state so that you can run more easily and more effectively and faster. And the same thing applies for our pets. If they're carrying extra weight, that weight bears down on their joints. That places more stress on their joints and it makes them, they suffer more pain and the disease gets worse. I remember a particular case, which was a really good example of this for me, which was a Cavalier King Charles, um, a six-year-old dog who weighed 12 kilograms and he was clearly very overweight. And he got to the stage with arthritis of his, of his knees and hips and that he was finding it difficult to get out of bed. And so we focused on getting him to lose weight and he lost four kilograms. That's a third of his body weight. He went down to eight kilograms and the signs of arthritis vanished. He became, a, he was like a different dog. He became 
more lively, more cheerful, much happier. And it was all because the extra weight that he was carrying was pressing on his joints and causing more pain and causing disease to, to, to progress. So the very first thing that anybody should do if their dog has arthritis is talk to their vet about what their dog should weigh. And then if they are overweight, put a plan in place to reduce their weight. And that's that's going to you'd be like I say, you'd be spending less money on food for your pet. So you'll save money um, and they will get better. It's very effective. It's a really valid point. I'm so glad you brought it up, actually, because there's also um, there's well, there's a landmark study that was published quite a few years ago now, which covered the um, the life of dogs. In fact, it's called the life, referred to as the lifespan study. It covered a group of 48 Labradors um, divided in two, so 24 per each group. One of them was ad lib fed for the first year of life, but the guys running the study soon realised that with Labradors that wasn't a smart idea because if they could eat what they liked, they did and tended to grow out rather than up so they they did have to to portion control their food but the other half of the group they were the control group the other half were were deliberately fed to keep a lean body condition and and ideal body weight for their entire lifespan and the results of this study are completely remarkable to me because the group that were lean fed and maintained an ideal body condition lived up to two years longer than the than the other half of the group and that's you know two years in laboratory years is equivalent of 15 in human years it's really huge and not only did they live longer, they lived healthier lives. So the onset of old age conditions such as arthritis and degenerative um, joint disease was delayed by up to a year and a half in some cases. So it it's just goes to show the importance of ideal body condition and, and keeping keeping lean. And don't wait, don't wait till your dog has arthritis before getting your dog to their ideal body weight. Start when they're young. And I think another really important point that people should realize is that when, when an animal is spayed or neutered, they're 50% more likely to put on weight. Now, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't get them spayed or neutered because there are plenty of uh, good reasons. It's good for the animal's health in many cases for them to be spayed or neutered. But what it does mean is that once they have been done, you just need to be very aware that they will put on weight more easily. And that means you have to restrict their diet quite strictly. People don't like restricting their pet's diet, and that's a whole other podcast isn't it? Yeah, um, but it is another podcast. In fact, we should do one because it's a, a subject close to my heart is nutrition. But I think the other thing to be aware of is that there are an awful lot of um, properly formulated, well-balanced foods out there that are designed and have been created by nutritionists to maintain ideal body weight. Some of them are um, for, for example, indoor cats that might not exercise as much. Some of them are for, um, as you just said, spayed or neutered animals because we know their metabolism slows down. Others are for obviously aging, aging pets. So, and clearly there's weight management diets out there too, but I think, you know, the, the key is to speak with your vet. If you've got any concerns, chat to your vet. Many vet clinics run weight management clinics as well these days, don't they, Pete? So they're really... They do, yeah. yeah. They do. Weight um, watchers I, for our pets. <laughs> exactly. But it's a lifetime thing. But as well as that, as well as being a lifetime thing, if your pet does get to the stage where they're getting slow and creaky and your vet di diagnoses arthritis, well, then getting them to lose a bit of weight makes a big big difference and that's really what we're talking about today isn't it yeah absolutely so let's move on to then the other another key part if we're talking staying staying cost free <laughs> let's talk about exercise and the importance of exercise for for pets with arthritis yeah um it's really significant if you think about it the joints are basically for movement and so um when an animal's moving that's affecting the joints so there are two aspects to this i think the first thing is to realize that 
with young animals, as the joints are forming, it's important not to overdo the movement. What that means in practice is, if you've got a type of dog that's prone to arthritis, and I'm being a medium to large breed of dog generally, I'm thinking about German Shepherds, Golden Retrievers, Labrador Retrievers, those kind of animals. Well, what you're meant to do is to somewhat restrict their activity till they're skeletally mature. And what that means in practice is don't take them out over hillsides running around for three or four hours at a stretch. Limit them to something like half an hour twice a day until they're about 18 months of age. If you do that, you're going to reduce the incidence of arthritis once they're older because restricting them like that will allow their joints to form properly. And that's really important. So that's the first time exercise is significant. The second time is once an animal has arthritis, you should then be aware that the maxim is short walks more often rather than long walks less often. So for example, if you're in the habit of taking your dog for an hour and a half every morning for a walk, you should change that and instead give them a, a, a walk half an hour, three times a day. So shorter walks more often is gentler to the joints and, and less likely to cause damage. And as well as that, the type of exercise is important. So instead of just going for a, a half hour walk along a flat piece of land or whatever, you should try to introduce variety. So um, go uphill, downhill, and also if there's a curb, for example, you might step up onto the curb and down off the curb again. And by, by, by varying the exercise like that, what you're doing is you're stretching and stimulating different muscles around the joints. And as arthritis progresses, one of the aspects that's really important is that the muscles around the joint are strong. Because I always imagine that an arthritic joint is a bit like a, a rusty hinge. And so as well as being painful, it's stiff and it's more difficult to, to open and close the, the, the hinge or the joint. And so the stronger the muscles are, the easier it is for the animal to open and close their joint. And so keeping up strong muscles is really important. So as, as well as um, the exercise we've talked about, just walking, swimming is really good because swimming allows the muscles to, to move without actually putting the force of gravity on the joint surfaces. So it's a really good exercise. Yeah, no, good point. You're, you're reminding me of my own dog listening to you to speak therapy because she's, um, well, she'll be nine in two weeks and she's she's a big girl. She's a Bernese mountain dog. And so, yeah, I've noticed a real change in her just in the last six to 12 months, to be honest. And and I've, I'm, I'm what you just mentioned. I, I used to take her for a one and a half, two hour walk in the morning. We'd get up and go. Um, and now I've really adapted that. So we do a half an hour uphill in the morning and then we do a half an hour in the middle of the day, kind of on the flat. And then a downhill a downhill trot in the evening and yeah it's it's um it, it's a big change for in lifestyle really but it's also helping her because it's keeping her as you've just talked about a little bit more supple and it's moving all the muscles in different areas around the joints to kind of try and keep it mobile a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And kind of related to exercise, but a little bit different, is just looking at what the animal's activities are during the daytime generally. So often, both dogs and cats can have difficulties with just their normal activities around the house because they've got arthritis. For example, if you might introduce ramps to allow an animal to go up more easily to where they like to sleep. For example, the cat might might up onto the, the lower level of, of a cat tree or your dog, you might have a ramp at the back of the car to help them get into the car more easily. Um, and importantly for dogs, when they've got arthritis, they're prone to their feet slipping sideways and, and that can cause an awful lot of pain. So slippy floors like um, the, the wooden floors that we all like so much in our minimalist houses, they're not great for dogs as they get older because when they're arthritic, they're not so so able to, to negotiate the slippiness. So often people end up with rugs downstairs, um, you know, wherever the, the slippy floor is, they put rugs out and um, and that helps um, dogs from get around more easily. Yeah, and bedding. Bedding is another key point, isn't it, as, as the agent keep keep um, cushion around those joints. Yes, it is, um, uh, and 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 just comfort because, you know, extra pressure on 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 joints of the sore causes more pain. I saw a really interesting study recently. It was carried out by the people who make Big Barker memory foam dog beds. <laughs> I love the name. They they put um activity monitors on dogs, and they recorded how well the dogs were sleeping. And what they found was that dogs that slept on really comfortable memory foam type beds they slept for longer and and rested far far better than dogs that were on on scanty bedding dogs that were sleeping on harder surfaces were far more likely to get up in the middle of the night and wander around the place and maybe bark a bit and then go and try and lie down and get comfortable again and they were just generally restless Restless. so um getting your getting your athletic dog a really comfortable soft bed is a really good idea having said that we all know you can buy a dog a bed and they just totally ignore the thing and continue to sleep on the concrete it's not good for them. Put my hand up in the air for that one. I have a beautiful memory foam mattress. I mean, I feel like sleeping in it on myself for my dog. <laughs> what does she do? She looks at it and throws herself on the wooden floor beside us. Oh, <laughs> I yeah, despair. <laughs> I despair. Yeah. The cat loves it, mind you. He's perched yes. in the center of this massive king-sized bed. <laughs> and he's delighted with himself. <laughs> But actually, speaking of cats, it's also important to make sure that they've got nice, warm, comfortable bedding, isn't it? And and I love those little beds that you can hang off the radiators. So they're, mm. they're warm by the radiator and they're off the ground on a little perch and they're nice and cozy and comfortable. Yeah, that's a really good idea. And also just get putting in a, one of these little electrical heaters, like a, a mat, a heat pad. You can slip that underneath a, do- a cat's bed and that gives them the extra warmth as well. Well, let's move on then a bit. So um, one of the other things that I know lots of people look look towards um, when their pets are getting arthritis, and in fact, I've started my own dog again on this, are supplements. So supplements that can help with, with joint 
inflammation. What about some of the things that we should be looking for in terms of active ingredients that can, might be able to help us? Yeah, um, and you're, you're right. They, they've become very popular for good reason because they do help significantly. Um, again, there'll be two times you'd use those. First of all, you might use them for prevention. So, you know, if you've got a type of dog that's prone to arthritis, then what you might do is you might start maybe from seven or eight years of age every day giving them something in their food to improve joint health and when i when we say supplements what do we mean well there's a there's a whole bunch of different ones that are out there and i suppose the starting point would be very simply getting the right level of essential fatty acids and what people have probably heard about these before you're talking about things like omega-3 omega-6 oils fish oils really isn't it yeah, fish oils really, and and some plant oils, and that what they do is they they help the general, they help the body deal with inflammation generally, and they help the body tissues to be healthier. So that's that helps all around general health, but it also helps specifically with arthritis. But there are also some specific um, supplements that are are used for arthritis. Now, some of these have been clinically proven. Some of these, the evidence is more anecdotal than than hard scientific evidence. But I think there's sufficient anecdotal evidence that people are starting to just accept that they are very likely to be generally useful. I know myself how difficult it is to get scientific proof for these things, by the way, because I was involved at one stage in a trial of something called glucosamine chondroitin sulfate, which is one of the supplements we're talking about. And what happened was there were capsules, some of which contained just powder and some of which contained glucosamine and chondroitin sulfate. So basically, um, we didn't know which the dogs were getting. We have to review the dogs every week and see if they're, how their arthritis was doing. And it's actually very subjective. Like, I'd say to the owner, is your dog less stiff this week? Well, maybe. And I'd examine the dog, and when I flex the joint, is that more or less painful than last week? It was quite difficult to be 100% sure about these things. Nonetheless, they're widely used, and I, I, I think that it's a reasonable precautionary measure to take is to give dogs supplements like these. Now, I mentioned glucosamine chondroitin sulfate. There's also something called green-lipped muscle, which is a, um, a type of supplement from a, a muscle in, in um, New Zealand that's used. And then there's there's other things like manganese, um, vitamin C and E. These all help a little bit, perhaps. And then, importantly, hyaluronic acid, um, which is supposed to improve the, the general lubrication and cushioning of the joint. And lots of women out there might be aware of that one, Pete, just as an aside. Is that right? Hyaluronic acid is, yeah, the latest beauty product for moisturizing your face. <laughs> Very good. So, um, and there are other ones as well that you probably, people may have heard of turmeric, which is a herb. Oh, yeah. Anti-inflammatory properties. That's right. And there's polysulfated glycosaminoglycans as well, aren't there? Yeah. And, and the ones we talked about up till now have been food supplements. So you put them like capsules or tablets you put into the food or, or, or a liquid you squirt into the food. But they also the yeah, pentazam polysulfate is a type of injection that's given often. It's once a week for four weeks, and then there's a gap of six months, and another dose once a week for four weeks. So these are all all these products are supposed to improve jet, joint health generally, and they they have a place as part of a, a sort of a, a, a rounded treatment of arthritis. It's true. To be fair, I'm actually using one um, on my own dog Rumba at the moment as well, and you know it's been six weeks now, and I have noticed a difference. She is moving more more easily. Um, and, you know, obviously the weather is cooling down a little bit, which is which is definitely helping too. But, you know, she's she's jumping much more happily into the car and onto the, the sofa than, than she was, you know, just six weeks ago. So I, there's a lot to be said for, for nutrition and, and 
certain supplements they definitely do make a difference i think maybe it's time we moved on to what we what we use an awful lot in veterinary practice for treating arthritis pete and you know i'm going to mention non-steroidals here yeah so if you look at like scientific studies about what really helps the most for arthritis like i said the top two things are the three things which is weight control and exercise but the third thing to make a huge difference is non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs so these are basically a broad group of drugs and the most simple level it would be something like aspirin and it gets more and more complex and more more recently developed drugs that are more effective with fewer side effects and um, a daily dose of a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug can transform the life of an older dog and anybody who's got an elderly dog that's getting a bit creaky even if the dog's at the ideal weight and is is doing the right amount of exercise if the dog's still creaking around the place they absolutely need to have a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug every day in their food once or twice a day and if you do that you will transform their lives you'll remove pain from them and they'll be much much happier dogs moving around much more freely so it's important people realize that now having said that the drugs are very potent and any potent drug has the potential for side effects so you need to work very closely with your vet you need to use only drugs that are licensed for use in dogs i've actually seen people just on their own accord going to themselves oh my dog needs some I'm not sure of drugs. I've got some on the shelf here that I had when I had a store back. I've seen people actually kill their dogs by doing this. Entirely accidentally, they thought they were doing the best thing. Next thing, their dog goes into kidney failure and and, and they don't realize that they've caused this by using that drug. So you need to work with your vets. You need to use only drugs that are licensed for pets. And that means dog ones for dogs, cat ones for cats. Sometimes vets will ask for things like urine samples and blood samples to check out the internal metabolism of your, your pet before putting them on the medicines or maybe when they're on the medicine on a regular basis to make sure everything's still okay it's really important you do that um, but certainly the, there's a whole range of different products now that are available and they're very palatable now they've been designed so that dogs love eating them so they're really easy to give and they, like i say they transform dogs lives so and cats and cats so yeah, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs really important. Really important, and I just want to reiterate the mm. point you made as well. However tempting it might be, please, please, please don't take a human non-steroidal and be tempted to give it to your pet because the consequences can be truly devastating. It can be. I'm very aware that the drugs are they're quite expensive, um, especially the more recent and more effective ones. It's a price to pay. You know, you could be spending a few euro pounds a day on on your dog you will keep them healthier and happier by doing that. Yeah, it's all about alleviating the pain, isn't it, and quality of life. So, but but non-steroidals aren't the only um, aren't the only medicine we can prescribe as vets, are they, to help with this? No, that's that. I, I guess they're probably that they'd be the first line. Yeah. But but there, are, I would say, what's one of the things that's changed in the last ten to fifteen years is that vets have realised that there are many other drugs that can be used at the same time as non-steroidal drugs. And these other drugs would also offer pain relief, but attacking the pain from a different angle. For example, there would be opioid or morphine-related drugs, drugs like tramadol, which, which are sometimes used. And there would be drugs like that work more on the central nervous system, so acting almost like at a brain spinal cord type level rather than actually in the joints. Um, drugs like gabapentin and amantadine. And these drugs aren't always licensed for pets, Sometimes vets do use human um, licensed drugs, but it has to be done by vets under the guidance of vets because we know the recommended drug levels. We know what's safe to use. So these days, 
most pets with advanced arthritis would be on a cocktail or like a patchwork of drugs with a whole bunch of different ones that all work together. So if your dog's on treatment that doesn't seem to be working anymore, then do talk to your vet and they'll tell you, you know, a, a different approach that may be possible. Other drugs that can be added in. Paracetamol is another one, by the way. Again, very carefully. Um, paracetamol kills cats. Never give it to cats. It can be used in dogs, but again, under veterinary guidance because you can cause problems accidentally if you're not very, very careful. Okay. Um, well, now, what about surgery, Pete? Because there are sometimes surgeries indicated. Not, it's not very common, particularly in, in older, older dogs with degenerative disease. But you mentioned right at the top of the podcast some younger pets that might have, let's say, very poor breed conformation, in which case surgery might be indicated, for example, as a, as a hip replacement. Yes, um, hip replacements, also elbow replacements sometimes. Also, there's some specific problems where um, they would do an arthrotomy where they go into the joint and file down different areas or reshape different things so yes surgery is sometimes used also i mentioned ruptured cruciate ligaments and again there's a range of surgical techniques that are used to fix that kind of physical problem but generally uh and also in, in some dogs with, with very advanced arthritis it's painful beyond being helped by pain relief there's a technique called arthrodesis where the joint is actually fused so the vet kind of drills out the joint and puts on metal plates so that the, the the joint is then fixed in a rigid permanent position and if there's no movement of a joint then it can't be painful um, it's only movement that causes joints to be painful so arthrodesis can be carried out on the on knees on elbows and shoulders sometimes but although it's not commonly done so it's more often used for the lower lower leg joints like the carpus and the tarsus or the wrist and the ankle and it's quite common in those areas when there's arthritis Okay. Well, I think we've covered most um, methods of, of management, but we haven't talked a lot about um, some complementary therapies. So we touched on hydrotherapy, which is obviously um, very, very helpful and, and um, a great way to take the, the weight off of those joints, but still exercise the muscles, as you mentioned. And, and people don't necessarily have to go to a hydrotherapy pool if their dog likes swimming and it's they're, they're in an area that has lakes or whether by the beach or, you know, where there's safe streams, then that's ideal to get them swimming there. Um, I don't envy them uh, washing down afterwards, though. <laughs> Knowing with my dog, when she goes swimming, it's always a, a production to dry her off, especially in winter. Mm. <laughs> but mm, there are... Sure is. <laughs> really is um but there are other options as well this physiotherapy is very common these days isn't it yes uh, a lot of veterinary nurses are now have extra training in physiotherapy and they, they it kind of parallels human physiotherapy but obviously the exercises can't be voluntary you have to work with the dog to get to do the exercises um but that definitely can make a, a difference as can massage sometimes and um, acupuncture have you had any experience with acupuncture well yes i i about 20 years ago i went on a series of weekend courses which was like a practical scientific approach to traditional Chinese acupuncture. And it, it, it didn't get into all the, the theory of, of energy flowing around the body and releasing that energy and all that sort of stuff. It just got into put the needle in here and it will help. And so I, I, I learned all about using acupuncture in dogs with arthritis. And my experience was that some dogs, it helped hugely, other dogs, not so much. But certainly if you're somebody who's got an arthritic dog and you're looking to cover all the possibilities, it's worth asking about whether there are veterinary acupuncturists in your area and they, they might be able to help you. All right then. Well, um, we've talked about how to manage the condition. What about monitoring it? Because once a dog or a cat has been diagnosed with arthritis, 
sadly, it does tend to, you know, progress. No matter how how much we we manage it, we can't stop it, um, and it will will progress. So, how often should we be monitoring it and 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 talking with our vet and and checking and how effective the the treatment is? I suppose that's always variable depending on the different situ- specific situation. But in general, if I saw a dog that had diagnosed newly with arthritis, I would send that dog away on treatment and I would probably want to see them a week later or two weeks later just to see are they settling in okay if they're settling in well I'd say okay well come back in a month then and if they come back after a month I would then probably say to them well look your dog is doing really well on this let's just see them every three months and then you would check them every three months thereafter and you know during that at each check you would you basically talk to the owner about how the animal is getting on you know what activities are they able to do and what signs of discomfort are they showing all that sort of stuff you probably you'd also do a physical examination obviously and you probably would also consider doing a a regular blood test to make sure that the liver and kidneys aren't in any way being affected by by drugs like non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs so um those are the kind of things you you can do and i i think the important thing really is that a regular check by a vet really does make a big difference because as an owner, um, animals with arthritis tend to suffer in silence. So it's really easy to kind of kid yourself that they're doing just fine, whereas actually they mightn't be. And I think that the reality that we need to also talk about is the fact that arthritis is a progressive disease. And it is, in fact, I think, one of the most common reasons why dogs reach the end of their lives because they don't die of arthritis but what happens is as as the disease progresses even with all the treatment that you can use gradually the joints do degenerate and dogs become less mobile and cats become less mobile and they get the stage where they're staying in their bed all the time they don't want to get out of the bed and then they they become incontinent because they don't want to get out of their bed and then there's urine and feces to clean up and and the animal is getting to the stage where it's really not very happy at all. And so, un- unfortunately, arthritis checks then sometimes become quality of life checks. And um, ultimately, unfortunately, sometimes, you know, the disease progressed so that euthanasia is necessary. It's a very difficult part of, of, of being a vet and of being an owner is that you inevitably, death awaits, you know, and quality of life is the most common reason for death in pets. But not to be morbid about it, you know, um, we can do, do an awful lot now. Whereas I think in the past, dogs might have had to be euthanized at the age of maybe 11 or 12 because of painful arthritis. The good news is that with the really effective treatments that we have, we can extend that for another few years. So that I've got, I know many, many dogs that have been on good quality pain relief for two, three, four, five years. Uh, and it's given them really good, extra pain-free life. Uh, and that's what, that's the positive side of things. That's the aim, isn't it? We want to prolong healthy life in our pets. As you said, dogs and cats are living much longer, healthier lives thanks to better nutrition, better medical care, um, and you know, better better care for arthritis. It's a very good good example of it. Well, we've covered a lot today, Pete, and we've had a very comprehensive look at arthritis in our aging dogs and cats. So, I'm going to ask you now to sum it all up in some nice, easy steps. Well, first thing is choose a type of dog that's going to be less prone to arthritis that's the first thing then keep your pet lean throughout their whole life from from birth to the end of life keep them at their optimal body weight um, as they get older um, if you've a type of animal that's prone to arthritis start to use supplements in their diet like capsules or, or liquid to make sure that you optimize joint health and then as they get older learn what the signs of arthritis are 
you know, all the things we talked about, slowness to move around, stiffness, all that kind of stuff. Recognize those signs, whether you have a dog or a cat, and take them to the vet to get good quality pain relief for them. And that will make them feel more comfortable. It will give them extra years of life as well, because they'll be mobile and happier for longer. So, um, I mean, there's, there's, there's plenty else out there, but those are the essential points. And um, the main message is that animals can't verbally express their discomfort or their pain. So you need to you need to, to, to do it for them. You need to watch them and identify when they may be in pain. And you need to get veterinary advice to make sure that that pain is properly relieved. That's the main message. That's a great summary. And I think the other key part is to look around your house, look around the home and see where you can make it easier for your pets, whether that's nice, warm, comfortable bedding, whether or not they use it, the ramps yeah. to help them get up the surfaces, bringing the, 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 the cat beds a little lower, maybe putting them against radiators or adding a little electric pads and covering those slippy floors. So the other thing you can do, I think that's really helpful is to actually try to see your house from your pet's perspective. So get down on all fours and crawl around the house and think, if I was a dog or a cat, this is how it would be for me. And that way you can spot the really difficult steps and the, the awkward areas. So I love just that, do Pete. It. <laughs> I'm going to end on that lovely mental picture of you on all fours. <laughs> Thank you so much for Thank joining you very us much. today. <laughs> Well, that's all for this episode of the Pet Pod. But don't forget, no one knows your pets like you do. So if you're ever worried or concerned about their health, please be sure to contact your local veterinary practice first. And to make sure that you receive the next episode, please do like and subscribe. And I want to say thank you again to YouMove for sponsoring today's episode. And thank you for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.